Okay, we shall continue our sermon sessions in the Gospel of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 1. There we go. Chapter 1, and the portion of Scripture will be found in verse 26 through verse 38. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, the account witnessed and recorded for our kind consideration, of course, and faith. We had previously looked at the account in which Zacharias and Elizabeth would be blessed with a child, even in their elderly age. The child would be John, and commonly known as John the Immerser, the Baptist. And now, in this portion of the Gospel, we shall see the blessing of a son for Joseph and Mary will be known as Jesus. And so we enter the text, and we will follow as it is so revealed. Verse 26 says, and I quote, Now in the sixth month, the messenger, the angel, if you will, angel is messenger, Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. It's important for us to understand that the source of this messenger's information comes from a divine power, God, of course, to a specific geographical location, to a specific household, and that is indeed something we must respect and honor. Why? Because God is orderly. He knows what he is doing. He has had this in his mind since before the creation of earth and Adam and Eve. We follow an organized and orderly God. And it would be, of course, to his nature that his assembly remain organized and orderly. And that the instruction of his doctrine would be organized and orderly. And so this here system of divine uh, uh, revelation by the penmanship of the Holy Spirit through Luke, the vessel, of course, continues and says in verse 27, to a virgin. No need to go into explicit detail. It is simply the information given to an individual who would remain pure and would not have had intimate relation with the other gender. We understand. We move forward. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Mary. And coming in, verse 28, Gabriel, the messenger, said to Mary, the recipient of this information, he says to her, greetings, favored one. Favored simply means in context, faithful one. The Lord is with you, Gabriel says to Mary. But you see in verse 29, Mary was very complex, or complex, perplexed, sorry, 
And she was perplexed at this statement from this messenger, and she kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. What is the necessity of this information? Why am I the recipient of this information, this initial introduction with this here now powerful being before me? And the angel says to her in verse 30, this messenger named Gabriel, he says, do not be afraid. And once again, we are made to recognize each account given of a messenger interacting with human being, engaging humankind, that we initially, or at first, at first uh, moment, uh, are found in fear. And so the messenger, in all the accounts you will read in the scriptures, must say, have no fear. We see this, of course, directly in the same chapter when we were reading the account of Zacharias and Elizabeth, verse 13 uh, Gabriel said to Zacharias, do not be afraid, Zacharias. And here we see the same similar pattern, if you will, in regards to Joseph and Mary. Mary, now the recipient, the angel says, do not be afraid, Mary. And we can understand how it would be quite frightful to be uh, in the presence of a holy messenger with a divine message. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. It is not a breach or contradiction. God is not a respecter of persons. He's not going to say, well, I like this person more than the other, if you will, to that perspective and conversation. She was faithful. And when one is faithful, there are many more opportunities for blessings. There are many more opportunities and responsibilities and works to be done. That is the context, and that is the interpretation, friendly, of course, to the author's intent for our hearts and minds this hour. And so this messenger, sent by God, speaks to Mary, and Mary is to know that she can rest tranquil and at peace, for she is faithful to God. In an ocean of pure women in the first century, for it was indeed culture and custom and law to remain pure, she was found favored. Her measurement of faith was so strong that God saw it fit to use her, to use her in a righteous way, in a compassionate way, in a loving way, to find her uh, with great utility as the vessel to hold Jesus. And so the angel says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And in verse 31, Behold, you, Mary, will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Now one might think the name Jesus unique, for in our current culture, under the principles of Christianity, we tend to think the name quite unique, when in fact, culturally, in the first century, a great many were called Jesus. Uh, I made a... I remember many, many years ago now, several decades, uh, I had employment in the city at a call center. It was the very beginning of a call center for a certain credit card, uh, and uh, we had to contact different locations 
uh, around the world, if you will. And on the screen, your computer screen, would appear the name of the person that you're calling so that you could solicit while giving respect to the name. And so the name on the screen appears as I'm on the phone and the name says J-E-S-U-S. I'm a Westerner. I'm cultured to this Western way. When I see the word J-E-S-U-S, I assume it is pronounced Jesus. And so guess who I asked for? Jesus. To which the individual, of course, took great offense. And in many words I will not be able to express, he pretty much said, My name is Jesus. It is not Jesus. It is Jesus. And he was very angry. And I learned a lesson that day. I learned that sometimes the name is pronounced Jesus and not Jesus. It's a common name, is the idea. It's a common name. However, the Christ was not common, was he? He was quite unique and quite different. But it was just, it is just for your thoughts and notes, if you will. There would have been many in the first century named Jesus, but only one Jesus that would, of course, be the Christ, the Messiah. Bit of an excursion. We return to the text. It says, verse 32. He who, Jesus, will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, will be called. You see, he has to go through humanity, which is infancy at first, being weaned and raised by his parents and so on, before, of course, he would be baptized and receive the ministry of, uh, of his uh, fulfillment. The text again says, He will be great and we be, will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him, so the Father will give the Son, the throne of his father, David. And it takes much study to come to recognize a rightly handled message. What is indeed the throne of his father, David? Dear friends, it is the church. It is the church, his kingdom. The very spiritual house, an establishment that was birthed from the mind of God, prophesied by the prophets of old, promised by the Christ, purchased by His blood, and must be practiced by our faith. This here child will be given title and office of authority and honor His Majesty, our Lord and Master, the King, Given, of course, the throne of his father David, the church, he will be crowned king of his kingdom. And in verse 33, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Hence, our reading from Brother June in Daniel, or sorry, no, that was Isaiah 9.6. Daniel 2.44, sorry, got mixed up there a bit, but in Daniel chapter 2, Verse 44 speaks, of course, in prophecy of this coming kingdom and how it will be a kingdom that will live forever. Now, why is that important? Because, my dear friends, though we see each other here in physical vessels, in these human containers, and we see these walls, and we see these chairs, we must transcend that thought into a spiritual realm where we recognize we are the kingdom. We are citizens, legally so, of His kingdom. Our Christ, He is crowned King, 
And this information, of course, is scriptural and revealed for our understanding and knowledge. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Matthew 16, of course, he would have spoken it, my church, he would say. It is my church. I will build my church. And his church is his kingdom. He has all authority in it. He is the king. You can't have a kingdom without a king. And a kingdom has citizenry. And a kingdom has policies. And it has boundaries. And there are conditions in order for one to enter as a legal citizen of his kingdom. And it is not of our own meritorious works or earning, but through his grace. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. The kingdoms of men, they come and go. Nations go up, nations go down. Where are the Romans today? Where are the Egyptians? At a time, they were the greatest powers on earth, were they not? The greatest powers on earth. No man thought any defeat of a Roman Empire. And yet it crumbled. It crumbled. Why? Well, sin, of course. The kingdoms of men will always come and go. Kings are put in power. Kings are removed. But the kingdom of God cannot be defeated by the hands of men, for it was created by the mind of God. We have to understand that power. In the age of Noah, when the flood came upon the earth, God closed the door. And no man can enter a door God has closed. Nor can no man close a door that God has opened. And it is to our kind attention and pure motive of the heart to understand. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God, the Father, will give him, who? The Son, the throne of his father, David. You see, in physical Israel, the kingdom of God in the age of the Hebrew, physical Israel, the Christ was going to come and fulfill the redemptive plan of salvation for mankind and bring a new era, a new stewardship of dispensation, the Christian era. The Christian age, the last days, the end days, the age of the Christ, which has been in operation since the death, burial, resurrection, witness, and ascension. Since the ascension of the Christ, we have been in the last days, the last dispensation of time, before, of course, His return. His kingdom, the crown given to the Christ, would no longer have physical Israel, but would now be known as spiritual Israel, where all of us have ancestry in Christ. No longer Jew, no longer Greek. Christian. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Now Mary, in verse 34, said to Gabriel, the messenger, how can this be? Since I am a virgin. How can these things be so as you speak? Now the motive of her heart was quite different than the heart of Zacharias. 
in verses prior. Her heart, of course, was pure and innocent to the question. Not necessarily in doubt, but a reason of natural realm. I've had no relations with man. And if I have not had a relation with man, how can I produce a child? And that is, of course, a very valid question. Again, I insert this illustration, and some of you have heard me say it a great many times, but it is useful for your thoughts. Two individuals, same community, asking the same question. Each one of us here will fall into one of these two categories. Two individuals, same neighborhood, same community, asking the same question. What is the question? Are there any police officers here? <clears throat> Two individuals, same community, same question. Are there any police officers here? What's the difference? One is asking for public assistance. He is seeking the law for help. And what is the other asking the question for? To deviate away from the law. You see, the first says, are there any police officers here? My house has been broken into. I need assistance from the law. And the other one says, are there any police officers here? I've just broken into a house and I need to run away from the law. Would you know it, in religion lies the same issue. All of us may have questions, but what is the motive of the heart? Are we here to learn of the Christ? Or are we here to go away from the law? of our Lord and Master, which is mercy and grace, of course. Food for thought. Mary says to the messenger, how can this be since I am a virgin? She is asking, are there any police officers here for I need assistance with the law? You see? And of course, she receives the answer in verse 35. The messenger Gabriel answered and says to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. So if we seek the descriptive answer to a very humble and honest question, it is given. And we must recognize that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not a vapor. He is not a vapor or an electric current. He is not a phantasm of one's thoughts and mythical pathogens. He is indeed God. And so God will miraculously have a child in Mary's womb. The angel answers Mary and says, the Holy Spirit will come, come upon you. This is a miraculous endowment, a supernatural activity recorded. Why is that so important for emphasis? Because what people call miracles today is truly watered down to what is true and authentic, genuine, witnessed and recorded miracle of the age in the first century. A true breach of the natural realm, inserting a supernatural activity 
this virgin would be found with child. Something that, of course, is impossible through the natural realm. It cannot be done. You must have male and female for the opportunity of procreation. Yes, yes, I know, with modern technology, things can be done, but it is always from male and female. The angel answered and says to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason, the Holy Child, holy means separate, unique, different, shall be called the Son of God. The Son is equal with the Father, and He with great detail, defended his equality to the Father. What is different is the task, the office. That is important, and you will recognize it when we go into our study afterwards in regards to roles and offices for male and female. It is not a difference in authority. Christ the Son and God the Father have equal deity. They have different offices. You see me standing before you as one entity, one person. Yet I assure you, I am more than one. Well, that can't be. We see but one. Oh, no, no. I am a father to my children. I am a husband to my wife. And I am a son to my father. Three offices, same person, same being. Father, Son, Spirit. One God, three offices. The Spirit, miraculously, with Mary, to have child. And behold, verse 36, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she was called barren. He who, uh, she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. That is the important key verse to this situation. A woman whose womb is barren and she is old in age cannot have a child unless God miraculously inserted that blessing. This young woman who is a virgin could not have produced a child the child of promise, of course, the Christ, without divine, supernatural endowment. Things done through the power of God, for nothing will be impossible with God. That is indeed the key. And what is the practical application for you and I this day? Well, I assure you one thing. If you go jump around in traffic during a uh, 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 traffic hour, and thinking that God is going to save you from getting hit by a car, you are greatly mistaken and you will be found in the hospital. So clearly he is not saying, do what you want to do at any time and God will save you from being hurt. That is not what is being taught. For our practical application today, if we are faithful, if we too find favor in God's eyes as faithful towards Him, seeking and humble and willing to learn, willing to let go, perhaps things and practices, beliefs that are not accurate, willing to change, willing to become useful, willing to be humbled and love one another and become his family, then no things will stand in the way. For we will seek the will of God and nothing will be impossible. 
Mary says in verse 38, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. She is pretty much saying, I am your slave. I am your servant. May it be done to me according to your word. And Gabriel departed from her. So we take home this information. We should be found faithful to God. Faithful. Seek ye first his kingdom. Faithful in your behavior, in your thoughts, in the things you speak, in the things you say. In your patience, in your integrity, in your uprightness, your decency. Your compassion, your benevolence. Your love of the truth. The uniqueness of his kingdom. The uniqueness of his plan to save mankind. We must be faithful to be found with blessing in Christ. And we must be willing to deny ourselves. Mary, upon the word of God given to her, was willing to deny herself and all her, her rights, if you will, her entitlements, in order to now follow uh, the plan of salvation, to follow the word of God. And that cannot be stressed enough. May it be done to me according to your word. The word of Gabriel came from God. The word of God is what she heard. Friends, if you are ever going to convert and follow the Christ according to this book, it must be according to the words written therein. She could have easily said to the messenger, I don't feel like this is for me. Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> Most of us do it all the time. Here's the cure. Here's the cure to death. Uh, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, it's fine. I don't need that. So strange for those of us who took the, the cure, who took the remedy and were cured from death. May it be done to me according to your word. And in conclusion, it is a beautiful thing to know that God loved us in such a way. God loved us with such measurement. He sent his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him would not need perish. We don't need to die. Well, someone says, everyone dies. Yes, yes. I speak of the spiritual death, of course. We all need to die once, but my dear friends, we don't need to die twice. Once is enough. His kingdom and the entry therein, he spoke quite clearly. We are to trust the word of God as Mary trusted the word of God. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Whoever does not believe shall be damned. This was given in commission to his apostles to proclaim to the dying world. Mark 16 verses 15 and 16. My dear friends, I am not smart enough to make it say what it does not say. Do you believe? Yes. Are you willing to be immersed, washed of your sins through his blood, calling on his name? Yes. Acts 22.16, then what are you waiting for? 
If any of you here need to be born again, immersed into Christ, calling on His name, if you have faith, for without faith you will not be saved. And that is available to you. And after services you can come see us and ask for that wonderful grace that comes from God. What a wonderful account and safety for us to read this and know the extent of God's love sending His Son. And it was done through free will of Mary, who was faithful and willing to receive the Word, and willing to bear a Son that would become the Savior of mankind. It is truly wonderful to me. It surpasses all, all things that might try to compare to it. And I do hope and pray that all of you find this purpose as well. And if you do have further questions and things of that kind, know that it, we are always approachable to study together as equals. Okay, so that will finish off this portion of the chapter. Lord willing, next week we we'll, shall move forward. But for now, we continue with a prayer. Uh, prayer, sorry, a song. <laughs>